Pepperdine's had a lot of black. I only had one black teacher that I had to actually sit here and re- try and fight to remember. Uh, he was a PE teacher and he was a bit of a dick, but it was, I mean, yeah, I guess it's because I grew up where I grew up. I want to think if I had a, a, a couple of male black teachers that gave a damn, I, I, I think I would, it would just be, I would just be so much farther ahead. You know, all I I, I I was just sitting here thinking like, man, Doug, you just named off, rattled off, I want to say at least five to eight black male teachers that you had. Yeah, and, I, I was I was amazed myself when I reflected on it. I was like, that's from what I talked to for other, you know, black men in my life. That's that's not common. No, not at all. And you posted something here, I want to say a day ago or the day, I'm not sure about the um, third grade um, literacy uh, test in yeah, Flint. In New, Jersey. Is it in, in New Jersey. In New Jersey, that's what it was. Yeah. Imagine if, and I don't know if those schools were predominantly black or what, but just imagine, just imagine if those schools were staffed with black male teachers. I mean, it, it's, Again, just looking at the numbers, I don't know the particulars, but I know that we need black male teachers because if they had that positive outcome, I mean, excuse me, that positive of an input into both of your lives, how much further those kids mm-hmm. would be. It's just amazing to me. Amazing. I don't mean to derail the the, the podcast, uh, but that's just, that's that's amazing to me. No, nah, I mean, I, organic interaction is, is basically what we're here for. You know, I mean, granted, yeah. you know, the questions are like kind of a soft script. You, you know, you can right. go off script um, as long as it kind of, you know, pertains to the topic like you you just did. And it's a good point that you bring that up because you you saw how long it took us, all three of us, to come in contact with uh, role models. You know, they're on various different time frames, but nonetheless, you know, we all ended up uh, getting, in ta- getting in contact with those who were the positive black male influence in our lives. Eric, you said that, you know, it wasn't until really the Air Force, you know, Douglas has got a whole list of black teachers and, and family members, so on and so forth. I myself, I mean... I've already listed off my uncles. Uh, my dad is another one. I hadn't really gone in depth with him yet, but you know, my dad, especially my grandfather on my mom's side, uh, I never knew my, um, my grandfather who was my namesake. Uh, he died way before I was born. Um, cause my dad, he's the third, I'm the fourth. And mm-hmm. from what I understand, uh, he was a, an extremely hardworking man. He died from a heart attack. Uh, from doing physical, hard physical labor. Um, that's kind of one thing that scares me because I think it's just ingrained in our family to work hard like that. Cause when I was doing, uh, uh, blue collar work, if you will, I would actually, even before blue collar work, it didn't matter what I was doing. If it was, uh, flipping burgers at Wendy's or like working on Photoshop to try and, uh, takes a picture for a client and my, one of my older jobs. It's just, 
I would always try and do the best that I could. And I dare say that, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't know for sure, but I would dare say that the thing that my dad sat down and told me was probably what his dad sat down and told him. Um, which is, which is kind of sad because, you know, there's a lot of people that have challenges or issues whenever it comes to, to dealing with their masculinity, there's certain struggles. So like, is there ever time that any of you have faced any challenges or struggles with your masculinity and how did that positive male figure in your life help you navigate those difficulties? No. Well, in this particular case, Sergeant Carswell's example didn't help me per se, but what I'm hearing is the, the, the word that I hear, the, you know, is stoic in this conversation. It's it's a, a sense of stoicism that we're missing in the black community. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say stoic, a lot of people may interpret that as uh, a man that is not in touch with his feelings. He's kind of a knuckle dragger. He uh, is pretty basic in his in his approach to everything, and that's it's not toxic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, you're hearing that. I hate when that yeah. word gets thrown around. Stoicism is a quiet reserve. I, I, I am, I strive to be stoic. Um, that's the struggle that I have. I, I struggle to, to I want to be stoic, like, like our pre, the previous generation that just kind of kept it together. Um, and when it and then when it got when it got bad, you you that's when you 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 pulled it together even more. And I'm not talking about just ignoring your your emotions, ignoring how you feel, or any of this. Uh, just you know, stoicism is 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 strength to me. It is absolute strength. Um, and I want to be I want to be. Stoic without being uh, too too rigid, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want. Yeah, that's one of the things I, I I struggle with. I guess that that's that's how I would describe my grandfather. He's a very stoic individual. Yeah. Um, he he's not he's not a man that talks a lot, but he's you know that person that you know when he talks, everybody gets quiet to listen to what he has to say. Economy of words. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But but also like you you never with that stoicism, like I say, you never felt it was it's it he's not a cold person. You never felt a coldness or anything. He was always a warmth and a loving and uh, you know, my house is open. I mean, it, my, my grandparents' house um has always been that place where that's where all the family gathered. So like, you know go to church, even if you're going to like, you know, two or three different churches in the area after church, you know, you just have like this parade of people that comes through my grandparents' house from about, you know, one, one thirty to about, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night. Um, wow. You know, all the, the, the uncles and the aunts, the cousins, the second and third cousins, the family friends, everybody stops by through there, you know, 
you, you probably don't have never have everybody all there at once, but you'll have like these, you know, you have them in waves. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the first wave is the immediate uncles and aunts and they're okay. And they leave. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next wave is like some of the older cousins and, you know, they come by and then the next wave is like, okay, now it's like, you know, some of the family friends, they stop through for a few minutes, you know, oh, we're on the way to Sexton's house. We stopping through, say, Hey, you know, you know, so they spend like, you know, 45 minutes, an hour and then they leave. So it was just, um, you know, every, every Sunday. And, you know, my, my grandparents say, well, my grandfather, my grandmother, she passed a few years back, but they still live in Covington. Um, and every every Sunday, you know, um, we go to you know we may not go to church with them, but we you know we go to church somewhere like as a kid. But after church, we go down to Covington, go down to Grandma and Grandpa's house. Um, and then on first Sundays, that's where um, chicken with a little. I say like up to like it was every first Sunday up until around I say I was probably uh, probably like eight or nine. Um, we would go. Um, you know, Saturday night, go down to grandparents' house, you know, spend time there with them, some uncles, aunts, cousins, go to sleep, wake up the next morning, eat breakfast, go to church, spend all day there hanging out with grandpa, grandma, uncles, aunts, cousins, and then, you know, head on back home to the fairground around, you know, seven, eight o'clock that night. And uh, like I said, just having all that love and all that, you know, all of that folks around, you know, Grandpa he had his favorite chair. We call him Big Daddy. So Big Daddy had his his, his favorite chair. He sat there and you know he <laughs> sit in the room all day and you know turn on the game, watch baseball. He loves loves baseball games. Um, he's actually he was really good at it. He got um, recruited for the Negro Leagues right at the tail end of when they finished up, but he didn't go because he wanted to. He didn't want to be away from his family. So because he got he got married, mm-hmm. he was like sixteen when he got married. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, to my grandmother and they were together until. She passed what five? I think it's been five years now, five six years now. That's mm. a rarity nowadays. Yeah, it is. It's absolute rarity. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like um, I said. He he may not say much in that room, but you just see seeing there. He just smiling, you know, laughing. Folks mm-hmm. telling the jokes or whatever stories of of the day or the week. You know, catching up with folks and you know. But like I said, just very. But the, like I said, that that real quiet, reserved, just. You know that that rock, um, and like I said, versus my dad. My dad is like that classical kind of, you know, every man. He's got a friend in every room, every place he right. goes. Never um, met a stranger. Yeah. Never met a stranger. Never. Yeah, um, I've got some good. I got a couple of good friends that are <laughs> like that. Yeah, and and my dad, he was a social worker, so he worked with um, uh, with black kids in in, in the ghetto, like in. You know, we had the, the housing projects around Atlanta. He used to go into those housing projects and he'd work with the youth there. Um, yeah, I remember that very clearly. So he was, you know, gosh, he's run, he ran, you know, several mentoring programs um, for uh, for young black men. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, so really, I, I guess another thing that, that kind of I got from him is that, that you know, that love or that importance of giving back and making sure you're pouring into your community. Mm-hmm. Cause my dad was always, that was always him. Um, but I also learned you got to have a balance of it. Cause some of his mistakes had to do with him doing too much and not being maybe around the family as much as he probably should, because he's trying to help me. So maybe extended himself too much. So 
mm-hmm. that yeah. kind of having that balance, uh, that was one of the things that, you know, he kind of taught me just from, from his example. Um, but yeah, that's got so many good memories now. <laughs> Think of all this. You, you know, it sounds like your father was a, I guess you could say like an emissary of goodwill that represented the positive aspects of community. And in a sense, it was almost like not really a silent leader, but he was a leader. He was a pillar, you know, mm-hmm. and and that reminds me of how my dad was because, uh, like I said, it doesn't matter if he's at work, we're at Walmart trying to go out on a milk aisle. I mean, he's he knows people. Uh, and this was back when... Uh, neighborhoods were actually neighborhoods you know you yeah. could drive you couldn't drive down the street without having somebody honk at you or wave at you now mm-hmm. you'll be lucky if you even hear like a somebody screeching their tires because they're trying to get away from you or something like there is mm-hmm. no major interaction yeah yeah and, and there's the, no sense of community in the community right. right and and i i firmly believe that's something else that the men provided too. Now, granted, it was a two-parter because you had, uh, let's say, the older men and the older women, the men would go ahead and extend the olive branch and the women would follow up because they would either bake something or they'd, they'd uh, like in the case of um, my neighbors when I used to live in Douglasville and I was still married at the time. We had just had our daughter. Um, she wasn't even six months old. She was actually a couple of weeks old. And the neighbors next door were an older black family. They'd been together for, for time immemorial. And, you know, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but they were, they were together for a long time. Hmm. And, um, the only person to come over and welcome us into the neighborhood was that lady. Um, and the sad thing about it was when we first moved into the neighborhood, her husband was still alive. And um, we came over, we talked for a minute, you know, the husband, the wife, I think some of her family. I mean, it was it was like that old neighborhood feeling. But when he passed, I, I it was only right that we went to his funeral. And when I tell you that this man knew people, I mean, he had people from the police force there. He had political figures there, you know, not, they're not major political figures, but nonetheless, somebody that took the time out of their busy schedule to come to that man's funeral to pay his respects. That's, that is a leadership that we don't really have much of anymore. And, And one major reason why is because we've all had the talk, you know, the black talk. 